This is the Push Ship Podcast, a raw look at the hospitality industry. Welcome back to another episode of the Post Shift Podcast. Of course, I'm your host, Sean Sewell. Um, the next couple of weeks, I'm doing sort of a, uh, a little rough sort of Bacardi Legacy-themed uh, podcast every week um, with some of the competitors from the West Coast here. So today is Mike Norberry. Next week is Max Pru- uh, Cruzon's Prince from Vancouver. And then uh, James Grant from Edmonton the week after that. So it's a nice little three-week um, podcast episode series, I suppose, um, revolving around Bacardi Legacy. So talking about how they got their bartending uh, start and then why they compete and how this competition is different for them. Um, so it's a really nice in-depth talk about where people started and how they got to where they are now. Um, so I really hope you enjoyed this. There are really some talented bartenders who I got to sit down and chat with. Um, I am getting close to my 100th episode and I posted this on Instagram and uh a few other spots the other day on social media and it does look like I have got my guest for the 100th episode but I'm going to keep that one up my sleeve until uh, I'm ready to tape it so uh, keep an ear out and thank you very much for the support first episode for 2020 so I'm really looking forward to killing 2020 with the post shift podcast Um, and thanks everybody for the support have a good weekend bye a lot of times in my life and I had to like prove myself or I had to clean up shit or puke or like break up fights Yeah, you know or work in like smaller markets and well, also not just smaller markets but like bars that aren't cocktail bars yeah you know like working in pubs and that sort of thing like some of these kids are fucking 20 years old and they're going into like Benetton and Clive's and Little Jumbo and shit as like head, like pretty serious bartenders like you haven't done anything else like you've gone from like you're basically going from playing fucking a pickup basketball game in the park to fucking the NBA. Yeah, but I think right now because of like Instagram and like the like culture behind it, like a lot of and like we're a lot more. I want like results oh, now. Always. Yeah, and and people are like hurting too in hospitality a little bit to find staff so then they're just like okay yeah there and you go they, and then they throw them up into a position where they shouldn't be in at all like it's it's, it's a hard thing to keep your head around but like patience is a big thing like I I was fortunate enough that like two years oh maybe two years after I started I won a national title and as soon as I won a, like a state title and as soon as I won that state title like doors opened for me but at the end of the day, like it was still a lot of, a lot of patience. I worked in some really shitty places, like suburban fucking pubs and shit, like crazy. <laughs> in Australia, mm-hmm. imagine those are. <laughs> those oh, are, dude, I bounced at pubs that like. Yeah, cause you're a bigger fella too, so. Like I bounced at pubs that uh, was made it like I, on threat of being stabbed on a weekly basis. Like, pub fights and shit like that like on weekly basis and then I finally got lucky enough like even then like the first cocktail bar that I really started working at was one that like was that was 8 years after I started the industry like 24, 25, 26 yeah I guess that is almost like what I did too like I was 19 at a like pub nightclub-y thing in Edmonton and then lots of dive bars and sports bars and then a pub for like six years so yeah it was probably eight years after when I was at the Mint and then I got into Foxtrot well that's just the thing it's like I I look at it as like my first real cocktail bar that I didn't have like I had other bars before that um, 
but I was pushing the program and I was pushing the beverage program and stuff. But the first cocktail bar where I had a general manager who was on board with it, and was, like other bartenders who were all on board with it, because I was like 20, I think I was 25. Yeah, it's 2005. So like I was 25 years old and I've been in the industry for seven years. You know, and I came here in 2006. So you look at like, I, and I went up to the, the islands and stuff. So like at the end of the day, like it took me six, seven years before I even got a real cocktail job. And then even when I came here, I worked at Bossy's for three years. And Clive's was like, really, I took over Clive's just before I turned 29. And that was my first like, real, real, real cocktail buyer outside of Australia. I was 29 years old. Thank you so much. These kids are like fucking 22 years old. They're like, everything's taking so long. I'm like, fucking Jesus, take your fucking time, chill. Because then you burn out. Yeah. And, and I think too, a lot of the stuff from the past like prepared me, like just getting walloped at Christmas time and having people yell at you because like, their food's <laughs> taking 50 minutes. Like doing that for like four years, you it's know? Just the skills. And then you're just like, oh, okay, well, like we're getting walloped right now and we have like 100 chits up, but you know, just smile and relax and do your best and move fast. You can't do much more than that. Yeah. So, uh,. I'm actually going to do a whole Bacardi Legacy series over three weeks. So I've got you, i got Max this afternoon, I'm doing that on the phone call. Mm-hmm. So I'm interviewing Max this afternoon on the phone, and then James tomorrow. So That's super cool. Yeah, it just started happening that way. And I think James reached out to me, he's like, oh, hey, like, you want to do a podcast talking about Bacardi Legacy and stuff? I'm like, yeah, cool. Let's do it. Then I was like, well, wait a second, I should sit down with Mikey. And then if I'm going to do Mike, I may as well do Max as well. Like, I may as well do all of the West Coast guys. And then I reached out to Kevin Brownlow and said, like, Brian, Brian Brownlee and said, like, I'm going to be doing this in the next three weeks. Because you'll be, you'll be on this weekend. You'll be on this Friday. So, and not many people have got, you and James are the only two people I've got two actual podcasts with. That's cool. <laughs> so, and then it, I, uh, I think Jeffrey's going to probably be my hundred episode. Morgenthaler? Yeah. Fuck yeah. I'm so excited for that, if it works out. I love the guy, and like, it's hilarious, because he's not really active on social media, he's on Twitter, but I texted him, <laughs> and I've actually got an episode, uh, I've actually got an episode coming out. Thank you. Uh, awesome, thank you, that's perfect, thank you. Um, I've actually got an um, uh, episode coming out tomorrow on the ship shot about social media marketing, and, uh, it's all about the fact that, like, so many people um, don't know. Like, it, it sort of dawned on me last week. I was at a coffee shop. And one of our old regulars, he's a good regular, he's a friend of mine on Facebook. He was like, oh, you're in Singapore? And I'm like, I don't. It's not like I can post once every, like, three weeks. Like, it's, I post regularly. And even knowing I've had a, a fair few people go, oh, you were in Singapore for four months this year? I'm like, yeah. And it opens my eyes to, like, what people actually see on their Facebook feeds and their Twitter feeds and Instagram and stuff. So I reached out to Morgenthau and I'm like, hey, I'd really love to have the episode with you. Would you be interested? And he's like, episode? I'm like, you know I have a podcast, right? He's like, nope, didn't know you had a podcast. We had a little nice little friendly banter after that. But like, I, I've done 100 episodes in the last year and he didn't know I had a podcast. And like, it just shows you like how social media, the algorithm is so you facing that if you're not interested, it just won't show you. Yeah, what you like, what what you might want to be interested in. That's yeah, that's true, and it's like picky and juicy too. Like just like you're saying, I 
made the mistake of following everyone who followed me, like from when I got Instagram till now. So now I have like 5,000 people I follow, and a lot of it's like bartender things or celebrities or whatever, and then I only have like 2,100 followers. So it looks stupid, but now I get like really, I really have to like be like, like on like the bartending thing and like searching that stuff for it to show. Otherwise, I get all sorts of shit. Just weird stuff. Every yeah. time I see weird stuff that I don't I'm interested in, I fail. I just, like, unfollow the people. So. So, do you want to introduce yourself? Mm-hmm. I got it. I got it. Introduce yourself. We're having breakfast, so it's going to be choppy anyway, because we're going to be eating as well. Just, like, right now? Yeah. I've heard I've been recording the last eight minutes. So. <laughs> cool. Um, hello, everyone. Podcasters. My name is Mike Norbury. I work at uh, Veneto Bar Restaurante in the Hotel Rialto, and uh, I am a uh, top eight Canada Bacardi Legacy finalist. Awesome. Um, this is gonna be hard. You know, to be asking questions without a mouthful of food. Um, <laughs> So, um, what got you into bartending? It's actually um, a combination of luck and uh, my first like kind of hospitality job was working at Starbucks as a barista. Oh wow! How long ago was that? Uh, I was probably like eighteen. Okay. So twelve years ago, and uh, I. Didn't love getting up at five in the morning, <laughs> so still don't. I still don't. And uh, I I was born in Edmonton. I only lived there until I was about six or seven. So I kind of had this curiosity of where I where I came from. So I decided to go back back to Edmonton at a like, just after my nineteenth birthday. And I got a I was just like kind of had no idea, you know. I didn't really want to go back to early mornings at a coffee shop, so I was handing out resumes at clothing stores, just like basically anywhere I could find on White Avenue, and I walked into a bar called Hudson's Canadian Tap House, um, and I was like, hey, are you guys looking for work? And I handed the server the resume, and they are like, yeah, do you want to bartend or serve? And I'm like, bartending sounds fun. <laughs> And they're like, well, we usually only hire experienced bartenders, but do you want a bar back? So I said, yeah, of course. And then they said they'll get back to me, and they got back to me, I think, that day. And then I worked that next Friday. And uh, this is actually when the oil industry was booming, and right after the Edmonton Oilers went to the Stanley Cup playoffs, or sorry, finals. You're aging yourself now. Yeah, I am, (laughs) big time. And yeah, I was like, as a bar back, I was making like 150 bucks a night in tips. And this was like the most serious money I'd ever made in my life. And it just seemed like a big fun party where I had to like run around and just stock up beer fridges or change kegs or grab stuff from the basement or like clear the bar or like it wasn't really, like it was very simple. It was constant, but it was simple and I just got paid well and people really respected you for it and it just felt really good. And then, How long ago was that? 2009. Oh, wow. Yeah, 8, 9, I think I started. So, yeah, it was like at the end of 2008 maybe and then beginning of 2009. So you've been doing it for 10 years now. I always forget how, how old you are. Yeah, I, 
don't necessarily act my age, but controls a baby face. Though yeah. It doesn't help. Like yeah, I if I shave, I get ID'd constantly. <laughs> so so what made you like what brought you back to Victoria? Like I sort of want to put a connection. Like what for most bartenders, cocktail competitions are like the obvious next step. But what sort of drew you to like competing in a cocktail competition? I think it was well. This is gonna sound like. I'm just being ridiculous, but uh, there was a guy who was a regular at a pub that I worked at, Up Island, and he brought me a book <laughs> called Cocktail Culture. Oh, <laughs> so I read that, and then there was actually a, um, a documentary on Netflix called Hey Bartender that had, uh, what's his name, the guy from Employees Only, originally Steve um, Schneider. Schneider, yeah. And uh, that blew my mind. And then I wanted to do cocktails. So at this pub, I was like, we should do cocktails. And they're like, okay, because, you know, I'd been there for a while. And then no one enjoyed doing it but me. So that kind of got kiboshed. And then I was just searching more for, um, just searching for, like, more, you know. So I ended up in Victoria. I got my first taste. I was with a girl. We split up. I went back to the, to Backup Island. And then I just thought, you know what, like, that was just like a little taste, like that wasn't, like I'm not done. So I came back and then I um, worked at the Mint. Alex Snow was like, come to this bartender boot camp where I met Sean and I had already known Jared from working at uh, the Penny Farthing, who was, uh, but those two, well yeah, we were all at Foxtrot. But I competed against you and Jared, which was terrifying. <laughs> but uh, for some reason, like, it intrigued me to like, go up against like and watch you I think you did like a yellow chartreuse and mezcal and naramaro drink and crushed ice and you told the story and like about cow manure and blah 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 and like Jared made fun of you about like cold brew coffee and orgeat and like all the things that you eat in a day and everyone just seemed to be really excited and there was this culture and community then I went up and tried my very best and it was like exhilarating I was nervous it made me feel a lot of things and then I kind of just got hooked. It made me feel a lot of Like, good and bad. Like, I was like, oh my god. Like, really nervous. But at the same time, there was, like, this really high, like, adrenaline rush of, like... And then I think I actually did, like, for a very first bartender boot camp, I thought I did, like, all right. I think I hired you then, too, didn't I? Yeah, you're like, who the fuck is this? And then you... <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to swear. Oh, you can but... swear, it's fine. I swear all the fucking time. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're like, uh added me on Facebook and I saw a job posting and I'm like, yep. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> so what was your first big cocktail? Uh, well, the Campari comp was like my first actual cocktail comp and I had this idea in my head that oh, I was... that's the one that I was emceeing and fucking, was it... No, 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 you were in it with, uh, you oh, did, the that's right. I did the clarified Negroni. <laughs> or, yeah. But you did the, the freaking someone point you a lucky across the room. Yeah, I just thought like, oh, I want to be exciting and I want to like just really put on a show. I didn't realize like how actually hard it is when it's a comp to project what you want to do in your head and actually nail it, you know? So that, that all just comes with practice, I think. But um, yeah, someone threw me a lucky. That was fun. Josh Boudreaux. Um, and I slammed that at the end of my uh, end of my go, and then I barrel aged a Negroni, and it was all kind of like easy spirits. Yeah. And uh, I made my own vermouth from Unsworth. 
So that was my uh, my first one, which was a big eye opener because I made a lot of mistakes. Um, but then my second one was the Woodford Manhattan experience. Oh no no no! no. Sorry, it was the odd odd society one that you did. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The odd society one, and my second comp, I came second. I'm like, oh well, maybe uh, maybe I should keep doing this. Like this is that was pretty quick. Usually, like lots of people are saying they didn't place like their first five times, mm-hmm. five six times. And the next one was the Woodford Manhattan, where I finished second by half a point. You actually helped me with that one, too, with the milk punch. Yeah, because that one was in Vancouver. That was your first, like, big outside of Victoria, yeah. different community sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And were you the only Victorian bartender in that one? Yes. And Chris Enns won that one, right? No, uh, Chris no, Chris Enns was judging. He won the year before. Cool. Um, it's actually my buddy from Kelowna named Jared. Oh, uh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. 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 Jared won that, um, and then like that was another really big uh, motivator because they're like, "I'm by half a point." I'm like, "Oh, I wish you didn't even say that," but <laughs> they said it was so close. And then Jared actually went on to New York, like he won in Kentucky against all of the finalists in like North America. W- wins in Kentucky and then made it all the way to New York, where unfortunately I don't know where he placed there, but. That's just amazing. Like he competed at the Nomad Bar yeah. in front of like crazy liquor.com bartenders who are like world famous judging him. Like just that whole experience must have been amazing. So that motivated me to just keep pushing on. So uh, that brings us to because that was this year, wasn't it? I, my whole year has been screwed up. I feel like I feel like I missed a whole chunk of being away. Like I can't believe what happened before that sort of thing because I've been away so long um, that was this year too right the Manhattan Classic yeah yeah I think it was uh, early February like February 10th that's right yeah, so yeah. beginning so of the year so it now next year yeah. um, so that brings us forward to Bacardi Legacy so what drew you to Bacardi Legacy um I don't know I've, I've definitely like with how busy work's been in the last like six months too I've I've gotten a little bit more like I was so down to do absolutely every single cocktail comp, but then I noticed like how much work they they are, and like how draining and strenuous it can be, especially like you know if you have a full time cocktail bartending job, like you really gotta give your all to your employer. So I became a little bit choosy, and I kind of wanted to do more of the uh, either really fun like community building ones like. <coughs> Uh, Campari in Victoria or just like massive you know like just put myself up against like the better bartenders in BC and see how I stacked up so things like I don't know maybe down the road after a few more maybe world class but uh, things like Bacardi Legacy the Woodford Manhattan experience again maybe Patron Perfectionist like these major brand ones where there's like a lot of like you know there's trips involved or there's um you know, just like bigger, it's just like a bigger competition. I've, I've decided to just like cho- be choosy and pick pick these kind of kind of comps. Uh, but I uh, actually um, a bartender named Chantelle Gabino from Toronto. Mm-hmm. She won it last year for Canada and did this um, video draw. And that's actually the first time it kind of became on my radar where she was like, oh, like, Bacardi Legacy, it's about your legacy. And hers was, um, uh, what was the cocktail called? But it meant to make change. And I just thought, like, what she did was really inspiring because it was, like, past 
this is my fancy cocktail, me, 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 me. It's like, I want to make change in the world. I want people to drink this drink. And uh, I entered in that video competition, um, which my friend Brandon put a lot of work into with uh, drones and videography and <laughs> was really pissed off that I didn't win. But <laughs> um, that was the first time I saw it and I really actually like what that competition was about. So I started kind of looking into that one more. So uh, what was your video? Um, it was, so her thing, I think, with her cocktail was how low can you throw? What was your video? Yeah, this is like... Oh, you did the same thing. Well, it, this is, ties into it. Um, she, you're supposed to do how low can you throw and make some, like, funny parody video where you, like, you know, like, you throw pour. the long pour. So I uh, said how... You know, living on Vancouver Island, it's like my backyard, and I take pride in like where where I live and how beautiful it is. So, you know, we need to keep our beaches clean and blah blah blah, and you know, recycle, be green. And anyways, I went to like the Esquimalt Lagoon, and I like pretended to toss a tin off the bridge into the sand, yeah. and then I like took Bacardi Superior or whatever, and I think I made like a daiquiri or something, and I like poured it off the bridge. Obviously, I didn't nail this, but <laughs> it, I like from afar where you couldn't see me. I got the daiquiri into the tin from like two feet above where you couldn't see me, but it made it look like in the video, like I nailed it off the top of the bridge. So like that, and you couldn't nail it off the top of the bridge. Oh, there's wind. <laughs> yeah, it got all over my pants. <laughs> so I was like, it would have been perfect off the trestle. Like do it from the very top of the trestle down, all the way down yeah. to the lower bottom. Yeah. But yeah, the wind would have been a sucker. Yeah. Um, so that took you to Vancouver to compete, and uh, how'd you do in Vancouver? Sorry? How'd you do in Vancouver? Um, I did pretty well. I, uh, I, I walked in. <laughs> so up now? Yeah, this is my wake up, wake up time. Um, I don't know, I went over there, I like, I, I like, actually, I've always done really well ever since that uh, Odd Society comp, like I've always been like like I've won, I've won and I've placed every single time so I had I have like a little bit of more confidence now when I go in and uh, guys like Will Yourself and Brian Newham and a lot of people showed me their little playbook and how they how they set up for these things so I, I, I was a lot more organized this time um, I came in I had all my stuff ready, I made some nice menus to give to the judges um, I brought palate cleansers, just like every little trick I could do to like enhance the experience. And then uh, we all drew names, and this kind of messed me up. Uh, I've never gone first. <laughs> oh, you went first for this one? Yeah, I went first. First socks. And uh, I actually wouldn't have gone first, but some guy was trying to get some special liqueur, liqueur, whatever the hell, like he. He was waiting for a rep to bring him something, so and he actually got drawn first. So he like begged and pleaded that you know he switch with someone. So they're like, oh, well, we'll switch with you with whoever gets picked last. Oh. So I was like, oh, okay, like please be in the middle, please be in the middle, please be in the middle, and then boom, I got picked last. So it's like, Mike, you're up. <laughs> so that's one thing I haven't done is set the tone you know like you gotta go in there and you gotta bring some energy you gotta get be excitable you gotta like like rehearse your what you say and like really just give her um, but yeah I, I think I did I was a little bit nervous actually like again because it, it was like I've never gone first and I went up there 
everything went well. I hit all the points I wanted to say. I think I was pretty smooth and concise in my performance. Um, my cocktail's called Killa Bees, and I had Wu-Tang playing in the background, so it like, kind of all tied in nicely. It's about community and bringing you know, bartenders and hospitality people together to make a riptide effect you know, to create positive change, and no matter what you're passionate about, it's just like the work together aspect. Um, just like how Wu-Tang, although they're a bunch of studs on their own, they're much better as a band, or a clan, sorry. And uh, anyways, I, I nailed all that, but where I fell a little bit short to Max, who won that, actually, I finished second. Um, did they tell you by how much? No, this one they didn't, <laughs> and I'm, I wouldn't have asked it. By a quarter of a point. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, yeah, so I nailed all that stuff, but what happened was uh, at Veneto, and I'm not blaming anything, like I just needed to do my research more, but at Veneto we have real horrible ice. Like, this is the word, like, I shake for like a second, it's like, shake, 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 okay, it's done. It's like, crushed as well in the tin, like, yeah. ice, like you shake it and then it comes out as crushed ice. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not ideal for when you're competing and doing a shaken cocktail on cold draft. Yeah. So I built two cocktails in the same tin because I would just do that regularly to try and be fast or efficient on a Friday, yeah. Saturday night. Um, and I really shook the hell out of it. Like I didn't, I didn't like dilly dally, but I strawed it and knew immediately. I'm like, this is still under dilute. Like it's not, it's not cold enough. Yeah. It's not aerated enough. It's not diluted enough. So I was like, oh shit. So I said, I'm like, oh, I just gotta pop her back in the oven for a bit longer and. Shook it again really, really hard. It tasted much better the second time. Poured it in and, uh, you know, served it. Everything went really well. But the feedback at the very end from the judges were was that it was still a touch under-diluted and that um, it was a little bit too, like a touch too, like not, it wasn't, it was good. Everything tasted good, but they would dial back the lemon a tiny bit. I had, uh, I think, what did I do? I did like 50 mils Bacardi, 10 mils banana from Jaffard, and a full ounce of lemon, and then a half ounce of pink peppercorn honey syrup with lavender bitters. That's the drink. So they said, like, it's great. I would just build it maybe in two tins next time, like a cocktail per tin. Yeah. Shake the hell out of it, put it back all into one tin, and then um, dial back the lemon by by just a touch, like do a three quarter ounce yeah, instead yeah. of an ounce. They're like, otherwise, like I loved everything you talked about and it was actually Amber Bruce judging and she was like the best feedback I think I've ever got really. Like she was very, um, very kind, very accommodating, explained what she would do differently in her um, critiques and said she would like love to watch me compete again and really enjoyed it. So that was like, that left me like feeling like, you know, pretty proud because She's a great bartender. And uh, anyways, um, I thank Kevin, and he said, you know what, like, you know, you did really, really well today, and there's wild card spots where they take the score sheets of all the competitors, I guess, that came second across the globe. Um, so, you know, there's still, like, Max is going to Puerto Rico today, and he absolutely killed it, by the yeah. way. There wasn't, like, if I had done this, I might have won. Yeah. He, like, it, it was like watching Morgan, or sorry, listening to Morgan Freeman give a speech at the end of a movie. <laughs> that guy is, like, an actor in these cocktail comps. It's insane. But 
he said, Kevin said that there's an opportunity that, you know, you might go to um, Puerto Rico still because of the wild card spot where they take three, three people who play second across Canada. So uh, I got a call like a week later, a week and a half later. Oh, wow. Yeah. So when did you go to Puerto Rico? Uh, the 26th, or no, 24th or 26th. Oh, January? Yeah. Actually, oh, wow. I think the 26th, so it's That's coming close. up. That's really close. Yeah. Are you, everything booked, has everything been booked already? Yeah. Oh, so uh, you, like it's, you're ready to go. Yeah. So I think I fly from Victoria to Vancouver on Saturday night, and then I leave... And then, yeah, and then I spend the night there Saturday. I leave Sunday and travel all day Sunday. Do you have to do the exact same cocktail for the final? Yes. Okay, so it's just the exact same setup. You're just going to tweak it for, like, the, the global final. Yeah. So, literally, it it kind of, like, it, it's awesome because I get to take all these critiques. Like, you never get to do this and then until the next comp. That's a completely different comp, you know? Like, a, But this one, it's like, you know, you fell short slightly in this area but now it's like redemption like I get to like do what they think would be perfect from my uh, original take how are you doing? what are you doing to prepare um, these uh, pop ups um, the other part of legacy is there's a, you have to have a, a heavy social media presence yep. and you kind of have to go around and spread the good word of Bacardi <laughs> so I've been scheduling pop ups uh, I'm hopefully doing one in Kelowna with Jared oh it's cool um, Steve Barr is awesome. Yeah. It's really, it's really, really cool. Yeah. Uh, I just did one last night at Ine. Um, we did one with Max at Beneteau. Yep. Um, I was going to try and do one at Wind Cries Mary, but I think we got the dates wrong. So I'm looking to do another one either in Victoria or Vancouver or wherever I can, like one more on like a Thursday before uh, I head out. Um, but in the preparation, like, what I'm doing is just explaining myself to guests who come in and they ask these questions while I make them the cocktail. And uh, I'm doing that if, you know, they order two kilo bees, I'm building it all in one, you know, yeah. doing the throw it around a bit, put it equally in each tin, shake it, you know, and uh, just train for how I would do it exactly on stage in Puerto Rico while talking about everything that, it, like, my legacy around it. Yep to the guests and uh, I think by just consistently doing that it'll become more of second nature and I won't have to think you know I won't have to be like it'll be way more rehearsed than probably any cocktail comp I've ever done okay well good luck buddy thank you <laughs> <laughs> this is your first global final too isn't it yeah this is uh, you know this is uh, probably the biggest the furthest I've ever gone with a cocktail comp I think you're close to being the furthest anyone's got in Victoria as a bartender Wow. Well, it's no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, oh, oh alarm, alarm again. Um, well, yeah, no pressure. Actually, you know what's so funny? You said that. Dan Pollock came in and he was like, not like wasted, but you know, Dan Pollock, Dan Pollock yeah. drunk. And he's like, you know, like Brian and Nate and all these guys they used to compete and blah blah blah. And he's like, no one really does it anymore except you. It's like, so like, you better make us proud. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, haha, ha, you're kidding, like, jokes. He's like, no, I'm, I'm serious. <laughs> he's like, I'm he's, not kidding. <laughs> he's extremely, he is like the mayor of Victoria's cocktail culture, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> like, Don't fuck it up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm just like, ugh. 
like, it's okay, I'm not competing against guys from world class and <laughs> who've gone really far in other things before. Yeah, it's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll nail it. I'll nail it. Thank you, bud. Good luck. Thank you so much. I'll let you eat your breakfast sandwich now. Cheers. <laughs> Thanks, Pooh Shifters. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Uh, if you're listening, whatever platform you're on, give me a good rating, subscribe, listen along. Uh, I'm going to keep going. I really enjoy sitting down with people and learning where they're from, what they did, and how they got to where they were. So if you love it, give me a good five stars. If you don't, give me one and I'll try harder. <laughs>